like to invite the children to come a little bit closer and join me for a special moment together. I want to tell you all about a very special person in our congregation. Her name is Mrs. Betty Dobson. And on Thursday, she's going to have a birthday and she's going to turn 99 years old. Isn't that wonderful? She's been a member of this congregation for a long time and has done lots of different things to serve God through this church and in our community. I always love visiting with Miss Betty. And one time recently, uh, before all of this um, COVID started and I was able to make some visits with folks, I went to visit her. And she told me about how she used to be the one who made all of our communion bread. She would spend hours making bread and kneading the dough and baking it and watching it and making sure it was just right. And then she would slice it up into small pieces so that everybody who gathered in the sanctuary on Sunday morning could have the bread of Christ and know the grace of God through that bread. You know, the way that she served God by doing and making that communion bread, maybe some people weren't even aware that she did that. Maybe it didn't make the headlines, but it was so important to the life of the congregation and it's such an important way for people to know that God loves them. There are lots of different ways that we serve God. Some of the ways that we serve God are, are very public and People see who you are and you get lots of credit for what you do. But so many ways that we serve God are quiet and behind the scenes and don't always go noticed, but they're so important to the community of faith and they're so important in God's eyes. So I hope you'll remember that even though you're small, even though you're a child, there are so many ways that you can serve God and love your neighbor and it's really important to God that you do that. One way you might do that, if you're a member of the church and you have a church directory, is to send a card to Ms. Betty and wish her a happy birthday this week. Let's pray together. Gracious God, you call us to love you and serve you and serve our neighbors in so many different ways. We thank you for all of the people who serve faithfully and quietly, not to get recognition, but just because they love you and they love their neighbors. Help us to show our gratitude for them. Help us to love you and do whatever it is you call us to do, just because we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to tell you all that the sermon this morning is not earth-shattering. It's not particularly profound or groundbreaking. In some ways, it's just a small word. And I know in the midst of the times that we're in on this 4th of July weekend, when we're thinking about uh, our nation and the well-being of our communities and what that means, there's so much that we can be talking about and have been talking about in worship. But as I read the scripture story for this morning, there was just a little blessing I found in it that I felt moved to share with you this morning. Maybe it feels a little smaller than usual because the story is about Isaac and Rebecca. And Isaac and Rebecca don't have big starring roles in the book of Genesis. 
If you're just joining us for worship this morning for the first time, we're spending the summer in the book of Genesis, going through the stories of God's family. As God began to call out Abraham and Sarah and invite them into a particular special kind of relationship with God, God wanted through them to create a people through their descendants And through that special relationship, reveal to the whole world the very nature of God, continuing God's purposes to reconcile the whole world to God's self. And God wanted to do it through this particular family. And so Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and others get this huge chunk of the book of Genesis, 10, 12 chapters at least. Next week, we'll begin to hear the story of Jacob. And the story of Jacob takes us through 10 or 12 chapters at least. And then we move on to Joseph, who takes us all the way through to the end of the book of Genesis. These great heroes of the faith. But wedged in the middle, between Abraham and Jacob, are just a couple of chapters about Isaac. Isaac and Rebekah. Isaac doesn't have many lines in the book of Genesis. In fact, in this chapter 24, this probably the the central story of the Isaac set, he doesn't say anything at all. He comes in at the very end of the story. And that's typical for Isaac. Isaac is a character who is acted upon through most of Genesis. As Pastor Aaron so beautifully and profoundly invited us into the story last week, we know that Isaac as a child was led up the mountain and his father Abraham almost sacrificed him. He didn't say a word in that story. Later on, when he's an old man, we see him manipulated by one of his sons, acted upon. And in this story, he is silent there's really one hero in the story. Would, if that would be one hero, it would be Rebecca. Rebecca is the one who willingly goes where God is calling her to go. She, in a way, imitates Abraham, her future father-in-law, because she says, yes, I will go to a land I've never seen to begin a family that God is calling me to begin Now, what we've heard of this little story in chapter 24 is just a snippet. It's a long story, and we had to pick what verses we could read in worship that would help it make sense. But let me recap it for just a moment. Abraham is getting older, and he thinks now is the time for his son Isaac to get married so that the family line can continue, the covenant can move forward of God's purposes And so he sends his servant, probably his steward, Eliezer, to the land that he came from to go to his brother's household, his brother's family, to see if among the kin who live there, they could find Isaac a wife. And so the story is really the story of the servant's journey and how he goes and he prays to God and says, if there is a woman who's coming to get water at this well, who is your choice for Isaac, reveal her to me. And voila, here comes Rebecca to the well. And she does everything that Eliezer was looking for. And so he goes with Rebecca to her household and he says, I think that she is meant to be the wife of Isaac. Will you let her come with me? 
At this point, it seems like a transaction, an arranged marriage. There are lots of camels and lots of jewelry being exchanged. But there's a moment when Rebecca's family asks her, are you willing to go with this man? Are you willing to take this journey? And that's when she says yes. She says yes to God's will for her life, and she steps out in faith to go to a land where she's never been before. She makes the trip with Eleazar and their entourage, and then she arrives at this field in the evening where Isaac is walking back and forth. Now, we don't know for sure Isaac's state of mind here, but we can imagine, as we have read the story leading up to this, it may be that Isaac is in a place of doubt. After his experience as a child being taken up to the mountain with his father Abraham, maybe he has doubts about this God, wondering if this God really loves him and has his best interest at heart, if this God can be trusted. We know that he's in a place of deep grief. His mother Sarah had just died in the chapter before this one, and he has yet to find comfort and healing in his grief. And he's walking alone in the field. And Rebecca and Eleazar arrive and she sees him. And she slides off her camel and walks toward him. And the story says that Isaac received her into the tent of Sarah. And he loved her. I don't know why, but those three words deeply touched me this week. He loved her. Isaac loved Rebecca. This man who's been acted upon, who's been mostly passive, who hasn't had many lines, gets that verb. He loved Rebecca. Maybe these three words spoke to me because I'm kind of a romantic at heart. I love a good romance of two people meeting each other and falling in love and living happily ever after. Especially in times like this, I find myself drawn to those kinds of stories with happy endings, as Aaron said last week. Maybe I was drawn to these three words because it felt like such a blessing for Isaac, who has been through so much Maybe I was drawn to these words because they are so rare in the Bible. It is very rare in the Bible for us to learn about partnerships and marriages that are based on love. Marriage is very inconsistently portrayed in the Bible. But here we have two people who find each other and love each other. And so in the midst of this great arc of God's story and what God is doing through Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and the great purposes of God, building God's kingdom on earth, bringing about the reconciliation of the whole world, there is love between two people. I think these three words blessed me also this week because like many of you probably, as we live in this moment that has so much heaviness to it, as we work so hard to be about God's purposes in the world, 
as we together as a community fight against the coronavirus and try to navigate this time of pandemic with love for our neighbors and care for one another, as we participate in the deepening of racial justice in our society and figure out how we are called to do that, as we wrestle with all of these big questions and big issues, it can feel so heavy. And sometimes it feels to me that I am so inadequate and that God is just watching me and waiting for me to get it right. And yet here we see a God who is about God's great purposes of reconciliation in the world and at the same time is ready to enter into the small pieces of Isaac's life and bring him joy and comfort in a real way, in an ordinary way. God blesses Isaac. I don't know how many of you watched the interview that Pastor Brandon did with Dr. Emily Towns. She's the dean of Vanderbilt Divinity School, and he interviewed her a couple of weeks ago on Facebook, and it's up on our website. It is such a wonderful conversation and was a tremendous blessing to me. And one of the things that she said in that conversation that really stuck with me is that in moments like this, in movements like this that we are part of right now, there is always a place for joy. That as the people of God, we are called to be people of hope, to have our eyes open for the blessings of God, big and small, because they sustain us in the work that we're doing. So in this moment, however you are called to be living out God's purposes in the world, to be bringing about God's reconciliation in creation and in relationship and community, I invite you today to open your eyes to the ordinary daily blessings of a good marriage, of a strong friendship, of a loving community, of bread broken and given our daily bread that feeds us and comforts us and sustains us and gives us what we need to continue the journey. Thanks be to God for blessings big and small. Amen.